The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. Live from a bunker in the heart of the Ozarks. The P stands for podcast, the I for insight, the N stands for nonsense, and the K stands for it's Sif Pop. Welcome to Sif Pop Weekly, streaming live most Fridays or available to download later in your podcast feed, unless, of course, you're a patron. Patrons get perks. Patrons get those perks. I'm a Bobby girl. I'm your host, Aaron Dicer, and he knows that he's Knuff. It's Andrew Ormsby, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> Ahoy! Each week we'll chat about movies, TV, and whatever else from the pop culture universe is on our minds. And please welcome our guest this week. We think she's the bomb. It's Alice! Woo! Thank you, question mark. Oh, is that not a saying there? Is that No, not- it is. I just, given what we're talking about today, I don't know if I want to be affiliated <laughs> with the bomb mm. that we're discussing. <laughs> it's also a pretty aged term, right? Or does it yeah. is that one carried you over? Like some of them carry over. Like cool has I, been around since like, the fifties. So like yeah, yeah. I, I feel like it's carried over in that people will still acknowledge and understand what it means. Cause you also mm-hmm. still say like when something bombs. Like right. so it, it just I don't think people use it as much in the current right. lexicon as sure. maybe She's saying you're old Aaron. Yeah. From a got, previous generation, might have. I still got some Riz. I got some Riz. So, oh my gosh, yeah, look I at know, him up on up on up. the on the slang. <laughs> Andrew, uh, do you not know what Riz means? <laughs> <laughs> Andrew just shaking his head. No. That's all right, man. That's all right. Can't all like be as young and hip as I am. Or you got it, you no, have, it's, is it's it like, like street cred. No, it's like attraction. Like it's the your ability to pull someone. Basically. It's literally like, the middle, it's, attractive. It's literally the middle uh, syllable of charisma is what it is. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So yeah. Oh, <laughs> there okay. you go. And now you can use on, it. Today my, on my, youth speak. You, you had to you had to say a word that's used a lot <laughs> in D and D. For me to get it. Yeah. yeah. So like, oh, I have a really high charisma modifier. I have yeah. Riz. You got Riz. Riz. There you go. There you go. I got Riz. Oh, I'm excited. We are going to have some fun today. It is Barbenheimer weekend. Um, yeah, it is. So we are going to talk about both movies on this podcast. Yep. Uh, and excited to do so. Also, I one of my favorite best ever challenges. Uh, I did not expect to be as... Like, I just, I had so many. <laughs> yes, there like, are a lot in this category. I'm calling it fake first, legit last. Uh, yeah. Which basically means the movie is a name, single name, and it's either only the first name of a fake character or only the last name of a real character or real person. Um, so uh, it's amazing how many movies fit one of those categories. Uh, yeah, when you <laughs> sent that through, I was like, there's going to be like four that I've seen. And then I started going through my IMDb and I was like, oh no, I don't have enough space. I yeah. don't know which ones I want to. Yeah. yeah, there's oh, lots. There's lots. Geez. And it's surprising. The gurus it's, had a lot of fun with it too. It's surprising yeah. to me, um, surprising to me also that it seems like, it could be wrong, 
But for the most part, the movies that are named last name are usually real people. And the movies that are named first yeah. name are usually the characters. I found yeah. that really, yeah. really interesting. So it just kind of fit yeah. right into the uh, the category. Fake first, legit last. Anyways, we will get there. And of course, we'll do some buried treasure uh, mm-hmm. as well. But let's get to the one-two punch that everybody's been waiting for. Let's kick All it off here. by talking about Barbie. When my heart breaks. Some things have been happening that might be related. When my world Cold shower Ooh. falling off my roof. Ah! And my heels are on the ground. <gasps> Flat feet! What do I have to do? You have to go to the real world. You can go back to your regular life, or you can know the truth about the universe. The choice is now yours. The first one, the high heel. You have to want to know, okay? Do it again. Barbie and Ken are having the time of their lives in the colorful and seemingly perfect world of Barbie land. However, when they get a chance to go to the real world, they soon discover the joys and perils of living among humans. Margot Robbie, Ryan Gosling are Ken and Barbie, or a Ken and a Barbie, uh, as we find out in this movie. Many other people joining them as well. Greta Gerwig uh, directing this one. Um, what did you guys think? Did you like it, love it, dislike it, hate it, or it was just okay? Alice, we gotta go to you first. I... Okay, last week I felt a bit bad because I was a bit on the negative side and uh, not last week, last time I was on. And Mm. I cannot tell you how happy I am to come on this week, partly as well because I loved this movie. And the more I have thought about it with the more distance I've had, the more I've loved this movie. All right. Loved it from Alice. Andrew, like it, love it, dislike it, hate it, or it was just okay. I can't commit to love. But I will say that I like this movie. Very nice. I, I had a good time with it. Oh, you hated it. How dare you? <laughs> yeah, you did. Yeah, you did. Because I am firmly in, in, loves in it. loved it. Uh, Barbie loved it land. Uh, I I think this movie is genius. And I oh want to talk gosh. about some of the, the reasons why. Um, but uh, Alice, I want you to start. Uh, tell us uh, some of the reasons why you love Barbie so much. Well, first of all, uh, I think Greta Gerwig is a genius. I Mm -hmm. think she's one of the best filmmakers working right now. I'm so excited every time she puts her name to something. And she's going to be doing The Chronicles of Narnia next, which I am- That's the rumor, yeah. Yeah, I'm very excited by. But the main reason- I have so many positives. But the big one I want to start with is that I do think there is an element of this where, especially if you are a woman, I have never felt so seen- by a film and so I can't I can't even begin to translate the experience I had because I went to go see one of the earliest screenings so everyone there everyone was dressed in pink everyone was you know really excited to be there and it felt like we were all experiencing this film together because I think I want to say like 90 95% of the people in the cinema were also women And everyone, I both scream laughed at parts of this movie and was sobbing at other parts. And I immediately wanted to go home and hug my mum. And I just, I, the way that Greta Gerwig, and she's done it before. She's done it in Lady Bird. She's done it in Little Mm -hmm. Women, where she's able to translate the female experience into words in a way where I'm like, oh my God, like, yes. But it's like she's taken those speeches and elements she's put in other movies before and made an entire movie centered around this absolutely astounding aesthetic. 
And I've just, there are certain things that are explored, certain themes that are really looked into deeply, but at this really gloriously camp level as well, that have just made me just finally be like, yes, like this is what I've been feeling all my life. How have you translated this, but also given me a really fun, funny movie at the same time like I just I walked out with an existential crisis but also with a giant smile on my face so yeah that's I, I don't want to take no, over I that's can a big one I can bounce me. off that a little bit and just say uh you know Roger Ebert famously once said that movies are m- empathy machines you know they mm-hmm. are the ability to live a story from somebody else's perspective to literally spend some time in someone else's shoes there is so much opportunity for empathy in this movie. And that's saying something for a movie that is kind of a straight up comedy. Like this isn't yeah. a movie that's trying to be little women, right? This mm. is a, this mm. is a movie that is trying to make you laugh, succeeding on my part. Uh, I laughed mm-hmm. a lot in this mm-hmm. movie. Maybe the most I've laughed uh, all year uh, so far. I'd have to kind of look back and see mm-hmm. if other movies have made me laugh this much. But there is so much empathy available here uh, for the female experience. What what does it mean to be a woman? How does that impact? Um, I would also say there's ideas in here about masculinity that are also full of opportunities for empathy and understanding. Mm-hmm. Um, there, are, there are opportunities here to understand how our conceptions of our own masculinity or our own femininity uh, play into how we treat other people. Like there's so many different ways this movie is managing to allow us to feel things we could maybe wouldn't feel on our own. Like even, even as, uh, well, for my case, as a man watching this movie and going, okay, you know, uh, feeling this part of masculinity that isn't necessarily something that I experience in my day to day life. But now I'm seeing something in it. And for a woman to be able to go, okay, maybe this isn't exactly me, but I'm finding some empathy here. I was just really, really uh, impressed with how much of a, an empathy machine this, this movie really, really is. Yeah. And I, I have to say on that point, what I also really loved is that this movie isn't trying to solve anything. Like I'm not, not to get into specifics, but there are certain themes and elements where I feel like maybe a lesser movie would have been like, and this is how we make it perfect. And this is how we, it's not mm-hmm. about solving this ultimate element that this movie explores. It's just about acknowledging that it exists and how it affects society. And then looking at like, just because we know it exists doesn't mean we can't start to try to maybe improve it and make it for the better. And I agree with you. I think, you know what I think it is? I think this movie is a way of personifying the ideals of feminism in the way in which it's meant to be, where it's like, just because it's called feminism doesn't mean it's about making women the number one. It's about, it's always been about equality, right? It's it, mm-hmm. that, it's about gender equality. That's the whole point. Mm-hmm. And so I think this movie's trying to translate that and be like, this isn't about women being better and men being less or, or flip the other way around. It's more about like trying to even, literally even the scales, no ma- matter whether you're in the real world or in Barbie land. Um, and exploring how, you know, even the, the Barbies aren't perfect either with the way that they've treated the Kens. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, I, ju- I just loved the exploration. But yeah, the, the jokes, there's one in particular, and I'll say it has to do with uh, the, an introduction of a new Barbie. 
Um, and I, that is the part where I was scream laughing because I was like, how is this a univer- enough of a universal experience for it to make it into a movie? But it's so specific to me. Like, it was just insane. Me and my friends were l- crying laughter, especially when there's a clip that's played. Oh, my goodness. I just excellent, excellent work. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Andrew, some thoughts? I don't know. I hate this movie. Yet, so. <laughs> yeah, clearly. <laughs> Honestly, uh, I wanted to bounce off what you said about how this movie perfectly juggles being serious and being silly because mm. mm-hmm. it does both amazingly well. Um, so I had to give that a shout out. That was going to be my main pro for this movie. My second biggest pro for this movie, and it's something we haven't talked about yet, mm. is a combination of set design and yes. costumes. Oh my gosh. Holy crap. Especially the set design, the bar- way they, they designed and built Barbie World, and they made like this huge, huge sets is. Yeah incredible it it's looks so crazy great. like as someone because yeah. i played with barbies as you know especially <laughs> being a kid in the you know late 90s early 2000s like i the first 15 20 minutes of the movie i was just turning to my friend being like i had that outfit i had that like there's a bit where they're at a party and they're holding glasses like goblets or something and i was like i literally mm-hmm. had those I can't imagine. Like I just, it. Sh- I was just like, how did they replicate? And the Barbie dream house, like I never had a dream house, but my friends did. Mm. And it's like all the different elements were. It was like they just put them in like a make big machine or something. It's just, yeah. Oh, insane. Yeah. Yeah, the set design is amazing. The costuming is amazing. Hair and makeup is amazing. Um, mm-hmm. It's it's wild. Uh, how, how detailed so much of, of this stuff is. Also, the performances are great. Yes. Um, I think centrally, Margot and Ryan are incredible in this movie. And I think Ryan the reason- for, for different reasons. Yeah. Uh, f- well, I'm going to give a similar reason. And mm-hmm. I, think, I think they are both- juggling that tone so well that we talked about the the navigating from serious to silly that kind of thing they both have serious moments in this movie and i don't know that the movie's juggling of the tone works as well if they're not up to being able to make both of those things feel real and i think that's Mm -hmm. just because they both feel like they're they're giving an authenticity to this make believe character, right? And I think that that goes a long way towards allowing those those more real parts to sink in. Um, if you didn't know Ryan Gosling had comedy chops yet, first of all, where have you been? But yeah, seriously, but yes. but yeah, just you know, throw in the nice guys. You're welcome. Um, Crazy yeah. stupid love. Oh, yeah, such a good yeah. Movie. Um, La La Land, for that matter. He's hilarious in that movie. Uh, yeah, Nails' uh, favorite movie. <laughs> Nails the ending. Uh, but no, if you didn't know Ryan Gosling was uh, a comedic force, well, welcome. Welcome yeah. to yeah. knowing it because he is absolutely hilarious in this movie. Now, he's given great uh, content to work with. His The writing here is so good as well. Um, and Margot is just killing it here. Um 
just making me feel all the feels <laughs> and laugh all the laughs and just perfectly uh, encapsulating what's going She's on here. She's such so. a good actor. Like her mm-hmm. and I, I think it wouldn't have worked nearly as well if both her and Ryan Gosling didn't commit. Like you can just tell that they committed. And yes, maybe what they were doing was a bit silly at times. And I can see a lesser actor maybe feeling a bit self-conscious, but they just- they fully embrace the character and all of its eccentricities and margot robbie like all right i she's a stunning woman yes so obviously her being cast as barbie i was like yeah okay but i was watching at a certain point i'm like how how it looks like it's just a barbie that's come to life because even the way that it might be the way the costumes were done but obviously as a little girl i looked at barbie legs a lot and even the way her legs are positioned and the way yes. that they like angle i was like those are barbie legs like how yeah. what she's I was very just, I, body conscious of yeah. being a barbie doll like there's there's yeah. times where she's like throwing herself on the ground or whatever. Yes. And she looks like somebody threw a Barbie doll on the ground. Yes, you know, because like, she oh, doesn't yeah. just like, like flop like a human. She does right. the like angle thing. Uh-huh. Yeah. Oh my God. It's, it's so really good. good. It's really good. So good. Yeah. Oh. We didn't mention uh, when we were talking about performances uh, in comedy, I think besides Ryan, the biggest laughs my theater got was from Kate McKinnon. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Weird Barbie's amazing. Yeah. Also Weird Michael Sarah. Michael Sarah was actually so Alan great. Was great. Alan. Yes. <laughs> His character's so good. Yeah. There just everybody does well, I yeah. shouldn't say everybody does a good job, but I think most people in this movie do a good job. Oh. And mm-hmm. I don't mean to get into negative, but since I'm talking about it, <laughs> I think that my my big negative for this movie is how much Mattel tries and puts their fingerprints all over this movie. Like having the boardroom be, you know, this character led by Will Ferrell, it felt kind of unnecessary. Like, I think that the movie could have served its purpose and, and given its message, which I do want to talk about more, by the way. Um, uh, I think it could have served its purpose and given its message without that entire group being there because they didn't add anything to the movie. If anything, uh, they kind of like detracted. They're there for a statement. They are they are there for the ability to say to be self-aware and say, uh, you know, hey, we know there is uh, we want we're able to point out our own flaws. Right. That's why we're they're there. You're com- completely correct. They don't play into the plot or resolution mm-hmm. at all, especially the resolution. There's it just doesn't come into uh, to play. And it also feels kind of repetitive. We've seen, you know, whatever Will Ferrell's character is in uh, the Lego movies. Lego movie. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Mr. Business or or whatever. Lord Business. Lord Business. It's very, it's a very similar take, right? Like it's a, mm-hmm. a, a very similar thing with a lot of similar kind of jokes. So it was the weak point of the movie for me as well. I understood why it was there. And I liked some of the jokes that to the expense of Mattel that, re, you know, result because of them being there. But, mm-hmm. um, but I agree that for the most part, it was unnecessary to make the point. And the reason it's also my negative is I think that it also takes away from what I think was the most un, underserved uh, plot of the movie, which is the mother daughter stuff. I thought that stuff was introduced mm. well, and then just kind of left hanging. Um, and I, I kind of wanted their relationship to be more of a centerpiece to where we were going, but the movie wasn't about them and the movie wasn't trying to be about them. The problem is the movie kind of heads in a direction that it seems like it's about them at first. 
Um, but it's really about Barbie's relationship to them and what they're doing. So um, especially when it comes to the daughter character, that character has a very short character app arc and it happens <laughs> yeah. very quickly and without a lot of understanding um mm. so yeah those were the, those were the weak parts for me so i don't mind talking about those something i've heard a lot and uh when i do mean this a lot and it's all come from women who i follow on social media is like youtube is i count as social media <laughs> um they've all they've all said that they found Especially the Gloria, which is the America Ferreira's character, the mom, mm-hmm. her her big moment felt to them to be a little preachy. Now, me as a guy, I I wasn't the target audience or the target one for that. Me- I guess I I shouldn't say that I'm not the target message because I think that's a universal message. What she's trying to say, I think that's a something that she wants to say not just to women but to everybody. Um, I didn't get that it was preachy, but I've heard not one, two, three, but more people say that they found this move to be preachy. Did you guys get any of that? No. Because I didn't. I I didn't get... It's so hard for me to see that stuff sometimes because... I'm just, I'm made very aware that we all come with different backgrounds, different perspectives, different narratives, and different eyes, right? And it makes me very aware that, that many people just don't see the world the same way I do. And that, and that's, that is okay. It just makes me sad because I think there's so much. Like I said, there's so much empathy available. If you come out of this movie and go quit preaching at me, I just think you're I just think you're missing the opportunity to feel something on somebody else's behalf, right? Mm-hmm. Um and that's what makes like me that. that's what makes me sad. Um yep. but it doesn't it doesn't make me necessarily angry. Like I don't I don't get upset that people find it preachy or too woke, whatever that means, or whatever the case may be. Um, it just makes me sad that they're missing an opportunity to learn something, to grow, to evolve, to, you know, put them, put themselves in a, a different mindset. Um, so, yeah. so yeah, uh, I, I can definitely say I did not, I did not think of it as preachy. Neither did anyone I've spoken to. Um, like I went obviously with a big group and everything. We were talking about that scene and everyone in my cinema cheered after that moment, um, mm-hmm. because it, again, that was one of the moments where all, you're just kind of sitting there going like, yes, like it's, it's articulating. It's so well said and it's so, like, it feels true from the female experience. And like- I also like how the way in which it, it enters the film, like, it doesn't feel like it was kind of shoved in there to be shoved in there. Like, it felt like America Ferrara's character is, is working through these thoughts because of the way that this begins the way that she's beginning this moment is by speaking to someone else and then it's almost like she's just kind of because of everything else that's happening it's just Mm -hmm. kind of coming out of her very naturally and so you're just sitting there being like i i almost wish because um yeah not to i don't think this is spoilers but um it does cut to other reactions during it i almost wish it had Mm -hmm. just been on her the entire time because I, yeah, I was just sitting there going, I'm going, I want that on my wall. Like, I just, I want that quote. There's a few quotes actually in this movie where I was like, 
especially one towards the end about mothers. Where me, me and my friends were like, oh. <laughs> the pain, we just, the beautiful, beautiful pain. It just made me want to call my mum and, and like yeah. just hug her. And I want to go, I actually do want to go see this with my mum because I think um, it's important to, to see it as a mother and daughter. And I do think, I think the preachy might just be because like people who feel that it might just be because they- are uncomfortable with these things being given voice in such an overt way when normally they're not. It's always subtext and it's just being given a position as text. And so I can see that potentially being confronting for some people and the confronting ends up being translated as preachy. But I personally think it was great. <laughs> yeah, it's it's tough too because- mm. One of the things I love about this movie is I actually think this movie is really nuanced. I mm. actually feel like Greta is doing some really interesting things here about femininity and masculinity and not giving easy answers. I think you even mentioned yeah. this earlier, Alice. Like, yeah. I, don't, I don't ever hear in this movie, here's the right way to do it or here's mm -hmm. what it means to be a woman. Um, what, I, what I see is a lot of different things. Now, some of the things... Like, this movie, I think, uh, even at one point says something about like if you want to be a mom be a mom if you don't want to be mm. a mom don't be a mom like that kind of thing and so it, it gives even voice to this idea of you know well what if i what if i want that life you know what if what yeah. if it, you know it feels amazing to me to raise kids at home and and you know uh and mm -hmm. that kind of thing and the, the thing is, the movie isn't interested in digging deep into those things because those have been the norm for years. You know what mm -hmm. I mean? Like, so like, it's not interested in spending a lot of time there, but it is here. And I found that I found the movie's ability to go, we're not sure of exactly the answer, but yeah. we do know we need to listen to each other and we need to figure out who we are. Like, and that goes beyond gender. Which, by mm -hmm. the way, I love every moment this this movie decides to go, you know what, maybe it's not even about gender. Because there's so much mm. gender stuff in here, which I think is totally understandable. But that the movie itself is even willing to go, you know, maybe gender isn't really the issue here. Maybe it's humanity. Maybe it's just understanding, you know, like who we are um, mm -hmm. as human beings. Um, yeah, I found it really nuanced. So that makes it extra difficult to hear, oh, it was preachy. Because I'm like, usually things that are preachy or pedantic have a very straightforward message they're trying to give you. Yeah. And the only message I heard in this movie was it's good to be able to find out who you are and how you relate to your gender, to, you know, your um, uh, ability to be who you want to be. That's what this movie says. And it wasn't, it wasn't saying I, I did not take this movie to say men are terrible in the least. That did not feel like what this movie was saying. So, no. yeah, it's so it's no. weird to me to hear that. Um, I, I see it yeah. almost as a reflection. I see this film is it's like you said, it's not about solving uh, any issues or, or solving any themes. I think it's about reflecting on who we are and, and individually yeah. and both as a species, but also in a way where it's like, why don't we why don't we just talk about it? Like when we don't have to solve every issue, we don't have to get together to discuss and and make patriarchy, you know, far even or anything like that. It's just about let's just talk about it. Let's let's open it up so that everyone, men, women and, uh, you know, everyone else alike can get together and discuss it and just 
just share their experience. Yes. And I think and I think that also comes from the fact that this was written both by Greta Gerwig and Noah Baumbach, who obviously like his work on marriage story it was almost like a similar deconstruction, but of marriage rather and now it's like a deconstruction of well, gender and, and, and society. Of their relationship too. Like that's the yeah. other part of them writing together is like they're they're deconstructing their own stuff, you know? So Yeah, exactly. And so I can sense that there was I I would have loved to be a fly on the wall during those writing sessions because <laughs> <laughs> the conversations they must have had. I was talking to my friend. I'm like, you know, because they've just had a kid. And I'm like, that child is going to grow up so intelligent. <laughs> um, but I just I think it's such an it is for me. This is a movie that's important for the discussions that it'll ignite from people that have seen it. Whether you liked it or not, I think it is still important to see just to so that you can then wrestle with what it makes you feel and then think about why does it make you feel that way? And yeah, I just and but all of that aside, you can also just really enjoy it because it's such a funny, fun pretty movie like that's Mm -hmm. what i also love is that even if you're not interested you don't always have to go in and think about it from the cerebral perspective you can just sit there and watch it and be really entertained as well and Mm -hmm. watch a a shallow story if that's what you prefer and so i just i think this is going to be an interesting movie to unpack over the next few decades really (laughs) i think i just i I am in awe of Greta Gerwig. Um, yep. I, Lady Bird remains one of my favorite movies. Um, Little Women is an incredible film. And uh, I just, I'm just astonished at, at what she's done here. Um, mm-hmm. Let's do some final things. Uh, mm-hmm. What else do you want to say about uh, this movie, Andrew? <laughs> no post credit scene. That is true. Although there is That's some true. fun credit stuff. Uh, yes. which, oh, yeah brings attention to some of the very real things that this uh this movie had in them that you can't believe are real Uh, yeah why would they do that good question good good question you know who wants that no one no one no one wants that uh i love emerald fennell stepping in as midge (laughs) just like Oh, I loved Will Ferrell's when he when he saw her and he's like, ah, ah Mitch, ah. <laughs> didn't we get rid of you? <laughs> oh, that's so good. I enjoy. See what I mean? That's just a funny moment. Like I just thought oh, there's that was so a fun many little. Yeah. Oh, we, you yeah. literally. If somebody else has seen this movie, you will find yourself sitting with them and going, "Do you remember that one part? When do you remember yeah. that one line when they said? Do you remember that line? Uh, yeah, it's yeah. like that. Uh, Alice, any uh, final thoughts? Um. Obviously, we all understand that I hated this film. No, I I (laughs) loved it. But there is one, a single joke in this film where I was like, oh, that's that's going to date. I I can sense Mm. that that'll be dated. Um, And I'll just for your reference, I'll say I I know the one you're talking about. Yeah. 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 You know the one I'm talking about. Andrew, do you know the I'm going to put it in the private chat. Uh, Mm. And then well, you guys can. Oh, interesting. Yep. That's the one I was yep. thinking. Yeah. Yep. You could that be absolutely the- <laughs> right about that. But boy, did it that's hit. The only it thing- hit right now, though. It hit really well right now. I actually also think all the other jokes of that montage are fine. Those are timeless. They'll work. But this specific joke, I'll be interested to see, is it funny now or is it going to date mm. in like 10 yeah. years? So yeah. that is the only one. <laughs> I felt I felt attacked by this movie whenever <laughs> they had the Godfather. Yes, uh, he's like yes. trying to just trying to say it. it but Listen, I I think we I all saw to- ourselves in this movie and like we're able yeah. to grow a little bit and go. Oh my so, goodness, I've done that. Yeah. yeah. 
<laughs> at, the, at the godfather i literally turned to my friend i'm like oh, it's my friend i i like turned and could we talk i was like uh-huh. it's that it's our friend because they have literally done that to yeah. us <laughs> like- <laughs> do, do you want me to talk for through the movie for three hours and tell you all about how amazing it is uh. <laughs> But then, like I said, you you feel equally attacked if if you're a woman, specifically at a moment with Pride and Prejudice, where you're just like, that oh, is yeah. so and specific. And again, the movie is pointing out things that it's able to laugh at. I don't think yeah. that's judgy. Like, I don't think it's... No. In fact, I had... Oh, I, 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 say, I say I felt attacked. I was, you know, being, yeah. you know, right. flippant. I, so. I saw myself and was kind of a little bit embarrassed, right? Like, that's, yeah. that's been me yeah. or whatever. <laughs> like, because that can be annoying, right? Like I think that, for that me... Kind of, that kind, yeah, of behavior can, that kind of behavior can be annoying, but yeah. what's interesting is the things he was saying weren't like dumb guys saying dumb things that don't make mm. any sense. They were legitimately interesting <laughs> film observations. That's yes. a choice they made, right? Like that's when they were mm-hmm. writing this, the choice to go, okay, it's not that the dude is, is being obtuse. It's just mm. that he's misunderstanding the idea of, you know, mansplaining yeah. and how that can s- yeah. sound or feel exactly. or you know, whatever. Exactly. Yeah. And I think yeah. it's just showing it's like they, they aren't, doing this to show superiority they're doing this because they genuinely want to share mm. these thoughts but it's right. the same it's the exact same with the pride and prejudice thing where i'm like yes. it's it, it's not attacking me i i just was more how is this enough of a universal experience that it relates it's not just specifically <laughs> relating to me you know and it wasn't just the pride and prejudice element it was the entire preamble up to it where it's like you know mm-hmm. you're, you're scrolling and then right, blah, 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 and then right. you end up just doing that again i'm just like no, that's that's an Alice thing. That's not a millions of people watching this thing. Like I literally did that Greta the other and Noah day. Have cameras in your house, and uh, it's just yeah, and that's what I mean. I think I don't. I think honestly, it's almost like how um, great comedians uh, just observe things really well. I do just think it's great observation from Gerwig and Bob, uh, Noah Bombach's part. Like yeah, but. it's just so interesting (laughs) i i always you know i kind of pay attention to the clock to kind of wind us up Mm. on reviews and you know because we could talk for a long time but i may have cut us off too soon on this one i have a lot more to say i think but it's it's one of those movies that (laughs) continues to give i know i have to say a couple things number one there is a scene fairly early on in the movie Mm. uh where barbie sits on the bench with somebody um Mm -hmm. and in two sentences it destroyed me Mm. and everything this movie was about and everything this movie was trying to say was in this compact moment of two lines Mm. between two Mm. women and i just i was just moved and then after Mm. the 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 screening my friend said did you know that the studio tried to make her take out that scene and she had to fight really hard to leave in that scene and she told them if you make me remove this scene i don't know what my movie's about anymore and because on its on its face as an executive you're right the plot doesn't need that mm. scene the the you know the get from point a to point b doesn't need that scene but it is the heart of the movie yeah. in just that mm-hmm. one moment and like the ability to fight for that, to understand that, and to deliver it so well. Like I get choked up when I think about that scene, mm. and I just think there's something really beautiful about it. And mm. um, 
So I, I definitely wanted to mention that. And uh, it's wild yeah. to me that two lines can just destroy me. Like two lines mm. in a movie that I can remember four hours later and I'm destroyed again. Like, you know, it's yeah. it's just... it's Two just really lines, cool. four words total. <laughs> yes, yes, it is. It's four words. Uh, for me, yeah. it's... For me, what it does... I will say, I think this movie mm. has one of the best, in, like, integrations of a song into a scene um that i've seen in a long time because the the billy eilish song is i like i've been listening to i keep humming it i'm just every day i'm just humming it and then when i've been listening to it and walking home or whatever i i play the scene in my head and then i start getting all emotional i'm like walking down the street walking home and i'm just sitting i'm just like trying needing to get away tears because i i picture that moment in my head and i found out something about that moment uh where it's all um i'm i'm not going to go into it i'll i'll tell you guys later but basically it's it's a window into reality and it just gives more to that moment and it gives more just depth and, and beauty to it. And I just, I think the song complements it so perfectly because it's such a cathartic moment that lets you sit in your emotion. And I don't think enough movies let you do that. Like, I feel like it's like, especially, you know, when something's a bit more zany and you have to wrap it up and sure. I'm just like, it just lets you sit in it. And it's just one of my favorite things for a movie to do. Uh, I won't go through and mention all the specific lines I thought were amazing, yeah. but some of them, one of them I want to mention because I think it encapsulates this idea that this movie is saying important things at the same time it's making you laugh. Mm. Uh, they, you know, they've been in the real world world for a second and, uh, Ken is adjusting to the idea that the, the attention he's getting is positive and he mm. says, I just, I feel like, I feel like everybody's like paying attention to me and there's not an undertone of violence at all. And Barbie's yeah. character says, that's so weird. There's- I definitely feel that undertone of violence. And I'm just thinking, yeah. how dark is that? And yet how mm-hmm. true is it? And how mm-hmm. much empathy is available there for a man to go, oh, can you imagine any attention you get has this undertone? to it Mm -hmm. and like i just i just think this movie is so good at making you think about things in a way that maybe you haven't thought about them uh Mm -hmm. before and again that's coming from my perspective as a man uh Mm -hmm. watching this but um so i just i i really really enjoyed that the final thing i will say this will be my one last thing uh (laughs) my 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 part c of my one last thing uh (laughs) funniest last line of a movie in 10 years (laughs) i Uh, i was about to say what died just died (laughs) uh yeah it was amazing so yep um yeah good stuff uh barbie there you go uh it is out now in theaters uh if you can find a ticket (laughs) good luck all right let's move on to oppenheimer we imagine a future and our imaginings horrify us They won't fear it until they understand it. And they won't understand it until they've used it. 
The story of J. Robert Oppenheimer's role in the development of the atomic bomb during World War II. Uh, that's all you're going to get because that's really all you need. Uh, it, that is what we're dealing dealing with here. We're dealing with Oppie. Uh, so this is Christopher Nolan's latest. Um, so what did you guys think? Did you like it, love it, dislike it, hate it, or it was just okay? Andrew, kick us off. Loved it. Nice. Alice. I'm also firmly in loved it. Ooh, well, let's go with the triple loved it. Oh, nice. Positive um, week. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, on a hot streak for me. I'm just loving movies these days. Perfect time mm. for just them to stop making movies. And yeah, it's, <laughs> yeah exactly. it's wonderful timing. Just really, really great timing. Uh, Andrew, since you hated Barbie, we'll let you start this one. Um, yeah. Tell us what you loved about Oppenheimer. Oh, man, this movie was made for me. Oppenheimer's <laughs> one of my favorite historical figures. Like, I've read his uh, I've read his biography. I've seen several documentaries on the guy. Believe it or not, I own a piece of Trinitite, which is hmm. the piece of material made from the Trinity explosion. I don't have it here in the house. It's at my parents' house because they were wanting to look at it. But, yeah, I have a little <laughs> piece of this green glassy material that was made from the the gadget explosion that's what the bomb's called so going into this movie it's kind of like how i felt whenever i went in to see uh the dark tower and aaron was there with me whenever i saw the dark tower movie something that's so near and dear to my heart very different outcomes (laughs) it's a very different outcome as opposed to the dark tower though because i think that christopher nolan did a remarkable job with this and i think that not only he did a great job but also the cast did amazing but my first pro for this movie is going to be the script because i think that the script for this film is remarkable i don't know if you guys know this or not this is one of the first scripts ever written in first person where christopher nolan wrote this from oppenheimer's perspective so Mm. all the stage direction in this movie and the script was i moved over to the coffee table Mm. i saw kitty come in from the kitchen oh that's so that was so that's how uh like uh, emily blunt would know yeah, Emily mm-hmm. Blunt would be like, okay, Kitty, I watched Kitty walk in from the kitchen. That's my cue to walk in from the kitchen. So that's how um, this film was written, which I thought was fascinating. But it lets you know if if the title didn't. This mm-hmm. is about Oppenheimer. It's not mm-hmm. about the Manhattan Project. It's not about the H-bomb. It's not about Louis... It, this movie is kind of about about Louis Strauss, but uh, which I really want to talk about. But this <laughs> movie is about Oppenheimer, and uh, yeah, I absolutely loved it. Mm-hmm. Uh, Alice, some thoughts? Yeah, I I think as well. This is another one that's interesting because of the American context versus the non-American context, which sure. is where I'm coming mm. from. And so I knew a little, I've definitely, I haven't read American Prometheus, although now I kind of, I want to. Um, and I knew, I, I knew about Oppenheimer, obviously, and, and world, and can I just say really quick, it is shocking to me how little people know about Oppenheimer and the Manhattan Project and Hiroshima mm. and Nagasaki, because I, my friend had two separate groups of people ask about like, oh, did Germany get bombed? I didn't know Germany got bombed. And it's like, no, Japan got bombed. Like, it's just, I think this is a very important story just to mm, refresh for education. on what, 
Yeah, exactly. Yeah. From education. But what the thing I've been saying in terms of why I think this, why I also think Christopher Nolan is a genius. We just have a lot of geniuses this yeah, week. Yeah, a couple of geniuses why making I really movies do. this week. Yeah, but why I think he's a genius is the way he told the story, similar to Barbie in a way where it's not it's not sh- giving judgment on anything that's happened. It's not o- overtly being like, this is good, this is bad. It is Oppenheimer and telling his story. And what it's doing is it's showing these moments of his life and using the current historical and societal context that we are in right now so that what's happening on screen is interpreted in a very different way based on where we are sitting with our current political sensibilities, our current historical sensibilities, and the way in which it interprets it, it really plays with with the human mind and bias and makes us, again, similar to Barbie. It's a reflection into this is what we were. This is what happened. How do you feel about that right now? It's almost like this film gave me a psycho, like a psychoanalysis into, but how do you feel about it right now? How is this affecting you right now? Being presented with what happened in relation to how it affected how this man's life affected his own and other people's. And I just think it is so important right now to tell a story like this, because it would be so easy to just make someone like to make him a a villain because of the whole, I am become death destroyer of worlds and, and, you know, the, the project he led or anything like that. Or it'd be so easy to do on the other side and, and try and like either victimize him or anything. And instead it's like, no, this is just a person and this is what he did and this is the outcome of what he did and the ramifications that he felt. Um, and then obviously that he ended up enduring. And then I also really enjoyed how it took us, it continued on past the Manhattan Project and, you know, into the mm. next er- era of his life and shows all of those elements because I had no idea about any of it. And it reframes the entire story. And classic Nolan, you know, you get little little moments of it at the beginning of the movie and you're just like, I don't really get it, but I'm sure I'll get it by the end. And then by the end, when you have the whole, I'll, I'll say the, the motivation reveal, and you're just like, oh, yeah. And it just recontextualizes the whole story for you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm. I, I I will start there and bounce off of that mm. to uh, talk about how well this movie is structured. Now, that's not a surprise with Christopher <laughs> Nolan. He's possibly the st- structure guru like he that's his <laughs> whole thing is figuring out how to structure yeah. things. But his ability to play within these two stories, basically, you know, he's he's telling mm-hmm. the story of Oppenheimer, but he's always t- also telling the story of Strauss's uh, trying to get on the cabinet, uh, cabinet mm-hmm. uh, approval. The way he interweaves them is so smart, and the way he uses them to inform each other is it's so subtle that you mm-hmm. almost don't notice it. But if you start paying attention to the cuts. It's fascinating how cohesive the story he's telling is for how much he's jumping around. Um, mm-hmm. And I just thought that was that was genius level stuff. The way that this is structured and edited together is is really, really smart. Uh, what else? Yeah. Uh, just so everybody knows, this movie was shot, I think, 98% in IMAX. 
mm-hmm. which I did go see this in laser IMAX. Is it is um, it worth seeing in IMAX? Uh, I think that <laughs> if yeah, no, it's not worth seeing in IMAX. <laughs> I, I would say I would say like a lot of people would say you know like ooh you get to see the Manhattan Project on laser IMAX. It's while that I would say is the climax of the film. I would say I definitely wouldn't say it's the most important part of the film by any stretch of the imagination. The only reason, honestly, oh, go ahead. No, I was just gonna say the only reason when it's something like this where you know it's it's shot in IMAX and it is in IMAX format for a lot of this movie. My thing isn't mm-hmm. even just like oh, is it more spectacular? My thing is often I feel like I'm missing parts of the intended frame like you know how it was framed how it was you know how it's meant to look like I've, the top and the bottom has been chopped off for me when i watched it like I, yeah. I literally missed the top and the bottom of the 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 screen so there's some definitely some beautiful vignettes in this in this film that are like oh man just this mm-hmm. landscape yeah. of los mm-hmm. alamos is gorgeous yeah yeah mm-hmm can we talk about the performances? <laughs> sure. Let's go ahead and get that out of the way. Killian performances Murphy. were terrible. And, oh, you know, it was the worst awful, part of the movie. Worst part of the film. Uh, I think his command over the accent, the very specific Oppenheimer accent, given that mm-hmm. he's an Irishman, <laughs> just, uh, I was just fascinated watching him. Having said that, I, I loved the moments between him and uh, where him and Florence Pugh would like converse because I think for me, I was like, Put them in a room with like a cup of tea and just make nothing that the movie else. for nothing else. Just just them in a room yeah. with nothing else. Yeah. <laughs> don't even need their clothing. I, I, but that's the thing. It's like don't even need their clothing. But I don't even care because I'm just these no, are I loved two it. brilliant I, I, actors. Like oh yeah. my goodness. Yeah, I, I thought the I'll I thought the, the nudity and the sex mm. in this was actually handled very well and very interestingly mm. too. Is only Christopher Nolan. Good, yeah. but I didn't feel That's it was first like, time he's done nudity. Yeah, it is. Mm. Um, I didn't feel it was like gazy or any. Like I just felt it was like mm. an actual part in the stuff that happens during the, um, uh, the when they're cross examining him or mm. or whatever. Mm. That little kind of part. I thought that was very interestingly presented mm-hmm. in a way. Um, That's the standout part of the movie for me. Yeah, it really is. Yeah. Where there's a scene where Killian Murphy and Florence Pugh are. And I guess compromising positions would be the best way to say so, it. Yeah. Um, They're having sex. I mean, yeah. You know, yeah. No, but I mean, like, uh, during this cross-examination. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. And, like, it's it's just wild because to see these two people, you know, on display like this, it's such an invasive you know, well, and it's what they're doing. Moment. The movie is saying this is say, what they're I doing. Know that's what I'm feels, I know it feels that I know way. That's the yeah. intent. Yeah, it's, it's yeah. But I'm just saying it's done. I would never have thought to do a scene like that to mm-hmm. as a way to uh, visually represent invasiveness in such a way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but I just I think like so smart. what a what a great actress to or what a great actor to cast in the role opposite Killian Murphy for that because I like god she's I love Florence Pugh so much I love her she's so amazing but then on the flip side of that Emily Blunt is fantastic I I 
she really, you know, she doesn't have as obviously no one has as much to do as Killian Murphy, but there is yeah. she makes herself known. She makes her presence known and there's a specific scene where she really kind of gets her moment to shine and I was just like, "Oh, so that's the clip they'll play when she gets nominated for an Oscar." You know? Yeah. <laughs> like, oh, so good. I I mean, I we got a hot about take for you. Robert Downey Jr. Uh, yes, but my like, hot take. Uh, I don't know that it's that hot of a take. I literally think if if only one person wins an Academy Award from this cast, it's him. Like, I I just think, Real, he, okay. yeah, I think yeah, he's that's the not the hot take. The cast, yeah, yeah. Everyone's kind of like, oh, it's his turn. It's it's like almost a it's his yeah, it's turn his slash. Yeah. I yeah. figured everybody would be saying that Killian is the big takeaway performance from this movie. But honestly, I think Robert Downey <laughs> Jr. He was chewing scenery like I've never mm. seen him do before. Well, that's that's interesting. You put it that way. I wouldn't put it that way because it doesn't feel it doesn't feel over the top to me. It mm. feels almost understated to me. Um, he's just really becoming somebody else. In fact, uh, I went to see this with my wife, and she said it was thirty to forty minutes into the movie before I realized that that was Iron Man. You know what I mean? Like it yeah. was. It's just. <laughs> I think he's using he, he's using the charisma that he overblew like on purpose mm-hmm. for Iron Man and he's using it in a way where it shows you how people like this do rise ranks and and do are able to get to these positions because they have this you know almost pheromone charisma that just mm-hmm. attracts people but it's not overt. They're not using it in, in the obvious peacocking way. They're using it to convince everyone that they're right, that their their decision is the correct decision. And it just makes it so much more uh, the vindictiveness he's able to show. And the the I just love it because if you watch him in like, you know, Endgame where he's like the paragon of good and then you watch this and, and, it, and then you watch Tropic Thunder and you're just like, oh. <laughs> What an actor. <laughs> yeah. So eclectic. Yeah, yeah exactly. No, he's um, fantastic. I kind of want to just start naming everybody mm-hmm. who showed up for a cup of coffee in this movie. Because Josh Hartnett what a was cast. so good. Because, oh because it's insane how many people just pop in and are like, hi, I'm a famous person here for a few yeah. lines. Like uh, Gary Oldman pops in as Truman for a scene and <laughs> yeah. blows me away. I'm like, how are you? How did you become Harry Truman? Like, yeah. yeah. Or Rami Malek. I kept being like, wait, that's he's just there. Lead yeah. actor, he's not even there to say anything. He's just best there. lead actor winner, Oscar winner, Rami Malek. What are you doing but here? It's Hello. Even once, even once you get past the Oscar winners like mm. Gary Oldman yeah. and Rami Malek, uh, you're, you're coming with people that you just know, right? Like mm. Jack Quaid. You know, stepping yeah, in. Josh Peck. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, Matt yeah. Damon, we haven't mentioned. Uh, mm-hmm. you know. Dane well, Matt Damon's not showing up for a cup of coffee. <laughs> well, yeah. That's true. Which is no. funny. Damon's, da- Damon's a role. That, that's true. <laughs> Casey yeah, Affleck Damon and Dane DeHaan. I was like, oh, I haven't seen you in a hot minute. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Casey Affleck <gasps> is creepy. And so oh, is his character. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Kenneth Branagh. <laughs> It, you know, plays yeah. a, a medium I role. I love Kenneth Branagh so uh, much. His accent is so played, good in this movie. I love it's when he so plays good. accented characters. Oh, it's <laughs> like, so good. Look at you. you. Oh, and also like people like James D'Arcy who plays the um, mm-hmm. the tutor at the beginning. And I was like, oh, yeah, I, I, genu- I reckon that Chris Vanilla just has that kind of pull right now where it's like, hey, I've got a couple of lines. Yeah, the Rolodex, uh, man. <laughs> do, do, wild. do you want to come? Jason <laughs> Clark. Just stepping yeah. in for you to play that role, like and Tony Goldwyn's in there as well. Mm-hmm, like, mm-hmm. 
Outswing oh. people want to work with Christopher Nolan and they'll take any role they can get. You know what it is, I reckon? It's because if you watch Killian Murphy's trajectory in the Nolan projects, they're kind of like, oh, you see... I start out small. There'll be two lines in Oppenheimer, but give mm-hmm. it a few years and then I'll be Oppenheimer. We haven't, yeah. we haven't mentioned one of my favorite performances in the movie, again, because it's pretty subtle and understated, but it gets a big mm. impact. And that's Alden Ehrenreich. Uh, mm. who, I f- yes. Yes. I think he's really good really? at this. Yeah. Yeah. Man, he, I was just I so enamored with Robert. But I, he has, there's a moment of shift in yes. his character where I, I bought it. Like, I was mm-hmm. like, oh, he's just realizing this. And then you, well, you know what I love? It's like, he's the audience insert, right? Mm-hmm. In that yes. scene. And so, you're going on the journey with him and then you're feeling the same things he feels. Um, oh, gosh. Everyone just really was like, it might only be for a couple of scenes, but it's a Christopher Nolan film. It's Matthew Modine. Yeah, Scott Grimes. Another one. I kept being like, "Look, it's the bad guy from Stranger Things as this one character." David Crumholz. Uh, like it just keeps yeah. going on and on. I Benny Safdie. Like I, I don't think we go, mentioned yeah. yet. Yeah. <laughs> I hope that this movie does for Josh Hartnett what oh, Inception Hartnett. did. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I hope this movie does for Josh Hartnett what Inception did for Joseph Gordon-Levitt. Where or Tom just Hardy even. Re- reintroduces mm. them to the world because well, I've loved Josh Hartnett for the, so long. He was like the main character, one of the main characters in the arguably best episode of the cu- current Black Mirror season as well. Yeah. Um, oh, Josh yeah, Hartnett. He mm, yeah, he's in Beyond I haven't the Sea seen with this Aaron new Paul. Yet. Well, the best episode <clears throat> is the one that him and Aaron Paul are in, um, mm-hmm. which is Beyond the Sea, and he gets. He does very well. He does very, very well, which makes me think, having seen him now in this and Black Mirror, I'm like, oh, is he about to get a little uh, uh, josh sense a heart or something, you know? Uh, <sighs> it is uh, probably time soon to move on from this movie, but there's so many more things to talk about. So I'm going to throw a couple more out there. Mm-hmm. Sound design in this movie blew my oh. mind. Mm. And uh, I can hear what they're saying. And yes, the dialogue is understandable. There's a scene um, after the successful detonation Mm -hmm. of the Trinity Project in a gymnasium uh, with stomping feet that may be the most interesting use of sound absence that I've heard in a long time. And the way the movie plays that as a direct parallel to what just the sound just did with the the detonation testing is really interesting because it's playing with this idea of his life is the bomb being Mm. set off in some ways. And so it both brings that anxiety of the character and also continues on with the, you know, the theme of (coughs) the waves and how things hit us and, and those kind of things. Um, Mm -hmm. So the sound design was amazing. This is a moral quandary movie, which I always love. This is the kind of movie you can walk away going from, you know, saying, what would I do? Um, Mm, What would I mm -hmm. be? Now, for me, that question's maybe a little more on the surface than most, just because I've embraced my pacifism. Like, it's very easy for me to go, no, I will not design your bomb. Because, like, (laughs) uh, like, uh, you know... I don't I don't believe in the idea of assured, you know, mutual destruction, those mm-hmm. kind of things. I think, um, you know, I've talked about that before, but there is that moral quandary of 
well, uh, you know, I, I think he, the line's even in the movie. I don't know if it's the right thing for us to make this bomb, but I know it's a wrong thing for us to let somebody else make this bomb. Um, and I think that's a really interesting thing to think about. Um, and, uh, and yeah, I guess the only other thing I would say is before I talk about it a little bit, this will be my one last thing and I'll let, then I'll let you guys finish this out. How did you feel about the fission fusion separation of the storylines? Did that make sense to you? Did you understand? Uh, how did you understand those two storylines to play together? Wait, what? Fission fusion? You know, it has, like the, it has the, chapter, the actual... It has the chapters at the beginning. Yeah, at the beginning it's it like says one, you know, fission, fission two, fusion. For and the... it's separating oh. the, the black and white and the color, basically. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oppenheimer's yeah. from the. It's Strauss just one or, for Strauss me. Is- it's one of those things where it's like when I f- like first watching it, I was like, I don't get it, but I, I'm sure I will when I get to the end because it's a Christopher Nolan film. It's just one of those things where I just going into any Nolan film, I'm like, I'm not going to get it until it worth 75 percent of the way through, and then when it clicks, I'll go back and rewatch it and be like. Ah, oh, and I think that's what it did for me. So what's what's interesting to me, and I've been thinking about this a lot uh, because I know Nolan's brain works this way. There's enough mm. material out in the world to show us that Nolan likes puzzles, likes ideas, mm-hmm. likes to do interesting things with his structure, those kind of things. And it's interesting because I haven't heard a lot of people talking about this. And most people are just uh, seeing it as an introduction to these different stories. Mm. Like, well, we'll just call one fission and one fusion because mm. Nolan didn't do that purposefully, like with a theme in mind. <laughs> like, can we think a little bit more about this? Yeah. The yeah. idea of fission versus fusion is very interesting. Fission is the idea that you can split an atom and uh, what is uh, small becomes big, right? Mm-hmm. That's the idea of fission. Fusion is actually the opposite. The opposite with fission happens, you split an ab- a- atom and it implodes. And so what is big, you start with something big and it becomes small. And that's mm-hmm. like so much more powerful mm-hmm. than fission is. And as you watch these two stories, I couldn't help but think of how that related to what they were oh. going through. The big things that become small and the small things that ricochet out and become big. And they talk often about how the whole idea is this chain reaction, right? And you even think about it in the central bookends of what we're looking at. I'll just call it the pond scene um, with mm. a very famous physicist who I, I thought was really interesting to have it in this yeah. uh, this movie. I always forget mm. that he was alive then. Like, I'm, I always just think he was like 300 years ago or something. And I'm like, oh, yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. I, remember, yeah. I remember during World War II, he wrote Roosevelt those letters. And that's mm. that was always... Here in America, that was always in our history test lessons. Mm. I mean, it is in the trailer. I think we can just say who it is, but... <laughs> oh, is it? Okay, that's fine. Yeah. Ein- yeah. Einstein is in this movie. Einstein, Einstein. Yeah. yeah. And so, he has a yeah. conversation with Einstein by the... For several By scenes. the pond. Well, mm. it, book- it bookends the movie in some ways. And I think mm. it's very, very mm-hmm. purposeful because... Oh, what I ha- love... Okay, I will say again, as, as, before you continue, mm-hmm. similar to how you ended the last movie, I love the final line of this movie as mm-hmm. well. Me too. Yeah. That's the line he says to Einstein, right? Mm, mm. Yeah. So the idea here is that that line is both fission and fusion because it connects the two mm. stories. That is where is the connecting point between these two stories because it launches this pettiness in Strauss, right? Because he interprets mm-hmm. it in a certain way. 
Um, and it is the result, the end result of Oppenheimer's feelings about what he's done. The, the you know, mm-hmm. the big. So the big has become, this big explosion has become small to, you know, in Oppenheimer and very intimate and very real. And in that moment, he sets off a chain reaction. He literally sends Albert Einstein as a molecule <laughs> Off of his yeah. bomb that he just set yeah. and has a chain reaction that starts the other part of, of the movie in the fusion process. And I just find all that stuff. And look, I don't know how much of that is intentional, how much of it I'm saying correctly, how much of it, you know, Nolan would would believe. But when you're dealing with a filmmaker like Nolan, you have to know that kind of stuff is is in there somewhere and is going it's on. It's percolating somewhere. Yeah. And mm. I really believe this movie does a lot with those ideas of chain reactions and how things impact other things things and how big things become small and how small things become big and how both of those explosions can change lives. Um, And I think it also just shows where it's like, you know, like I said, it's easy for history to have villainized Oppenheimer as like, oh, he created the atomic bomb and killed all these people. But it's like this exploration, I want to say like, this is such, this is how you do a character study, you know? And this exploration of he was he was just a scientist and he was theorizing and, just a human and being. he's just a human who had yeah, all kind these of a ideas jerk, <laughs> yeah yeah he was a jerk but he was just a scientific like as most, are. <laughs> yeah i was going to say as most scientific geniuses are but also like he he just was, wanted to explore theory, you know? And then, of course, it, it, you know, he didn't go, oh, this theory, make it a bomb, you know? It was a collection of other people who then chose to take it and, and you know, create this project and the rest is literally history. But it just kind of shows to use your, you know, your exploration, uh, Aaron, around the, the fission and fusion. But it's like he just had these ideas and then someone thought we should harness that idea and use it to our advantage. Mm-hmm. And that's how you end up with an atomic bomb. Yep. And then, but it also is planting throughout the whole movie the exploration of the hydrogen bomb as well, which is even worse, you know, in terms of like the outcome and so, or like potential outcome. And so it's just so interesting to show how it's like he didn't just wake up one day and go, I'm going to build a bomb. You know, it, mm. it it's all just small decisions and small choices that lead to these effects i heard somebody say that they felt like the movie uh valorized him too much and i just was like what movie were you watching because i really feel like like it showed him it showed him trying to poison his teacher like it's (laughs) he is not he's not like a a top-notch guy at the end of the day it it made it showed him making light of his affairs you know like Mm -hmm. you know um there's a very key moment uh later on where he admits to an affair in a very passive and yeah. um you know oh yeah callous way it's offhandedness yeah um so like i don't think the movie is trying to make him look like a good guy i don't I think, think anyone in this movie is a good guy like i think that's kind of the point is well, that he, every including his wife like including yeah. emily blunt you know everyone in it is just someone who made it honestly everyone in it is just a human being mm-hmm. and it's not good or bad and i um the other part toward the end uh but toward that i loved is there's this conversation that he has with his wife um and you know and she's asking him like about fighting and stuff and he and and she asks him a question and he's like um maybe we'll see and i was like 
oh my god like it's just mm. it's so intense of a react and then but the way he says it is so passive and you're just like the this person is is in turmoil constantly mm-hmm. and doesn't care like in, in um, the movie i think the movie has the the strength to allow mm. him to have agency over those terrible actions and Mm. that's something i've missed in biopics because many recent biopics have stolen the agency from their central characters and made any bad choices they made the fault of somebody else and Mm -hmm. um and i think this movie is more nuanced than that it's also doing a lot different things and a lot bigger things than those kind those movies are usually doing but um (laughs) but yeah it's it's really really interesting um you guys Mm -hmm. final thoughts andrew no (laughs) post-credit scene and uh I ha- I'm surprised that out of the two movies this week, both of them are just existentialism. The movie, <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. I will say people have always uh, people have been like, oh, you should go see Oppenheimer first because then you'll all be depressed and and get all happy as a result of seeing Barbie. No, you will work. <laughs> you will walk out with an existential crisis no matter the order you go in so you might as well just just let it happen just let it happen yeah. go home there's think about little, your life there's a little more hope at the end of barbie than there is at, in oppenheimer yeah. a little bit yeah that's a, little, a bit. little bit but you're still questioning your reality so yeah, yeah. <laughs> um my my one last thing is just from the layman's perspective by that i mean People unlike us that watch and care about movies as much as we do, uh, because I went to go see this with my partner who is, not to call him a layman, but, you know, a a regular person who only goes to see movies when I take him to the movie theater with me. Um, It could, this movie could be seen as a little long. Uh, It could, like, 20, 30 minutes too long for someone who, A, is not a big historical, like, nerd, or B, isn't isn't as used to being as enveloped in a film for that long. Um, And so I think that is just something to keep in mind. I still think it's important to go see, but just keep in mind it is a three hour movie. Like, yeah, that's my Mm -hmm. last one. There you go. And that is Oppenheimer. Uh, all right, before we head on to the Best Ever Challenge, a uh, big thank you to our Sif Pop members. Thank you for supporting what goes on here at Sif Pop. You can do that at Patreon, patreon.com slash Pop. We recorded a fun uh, pre-show for our Sif Pop members um, with some interesting discussions on streaming and some uh, some other things, as well as another drunk Sif Pop and a Sif Quest and all sorts of fun stuff. Andrew's leading those now. So if you want to check those out, become a Sif Pop member at Patreon, patreon.com slash SIFPOP. And thank you for doing so. All right, best ever challenge, fake first, legit last. Um, movies that have a fake first name or a fake a fake character's first name uh, in the ti- as the title or a legitimate char- uh, person's last name as the title. Uh, we will go number five to number one. And of course, if you have it higher, make sure you let me know so that we can... <laughs> trumpets um all right alice why don't you kick us off what is your number five best ever fake first legit last well i gotta say i am very happy because it made me i was struggling between choosing between my buried treasures and because of this i didn't have to because now i can say one of them (laughs) which is nimona a very recent film on Netflix, which is amazing, based on a graphic novel, which is also amazing. But the Netflix film actually takes what's in the graphic, because I've read it, takes what's in the graphic novel and really explores the themes and, and takes it to that next level. And I love this film. It's so great. If you haven't seen it, it's only like an hour and 40 minutes 
fantastic animation in a unique way. It's not, you know, it's not the Spider-Verse animation. It's not Disney animation. It's like a new version, almost like a graphic, graphic rather than comic. It's almost like a graphic novel-y animation. Um, great exploration into fantasy. Uh, for those of you who don't know, it's basically about uh, a person uh, this guy who ends up being a villain and he gets a sidekick Nimona who's a shape-shifting uh side uh minion slash sidekick uh and they have to get together to try and take down the institution of heroes who may or may not be what it seems (laughs) but it's very very good highly recommend Nimona's so good. I've seen it. It's great. I've seen it pop up every single time Mm. I come up on Netflix and it's in my queue so now that I have two people Move it that up. have actually confirmed, you should that definitely it's good. watch it. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, it's really yeah. good. Like really, mm-hmm. really good. Uh, I'll go next. My number five is Rango. Um, I really like mm. this movie, Johnny Depp Lizard movie. Uh, <laughs> I think it's really funny, very interestingly shot. A um, lot of artistry uh, to this movie and a lot of fun. It's. Uh, what, what makes it fascinating is it's a Gore, uh, Gore Verbinski movie, you know, so it's not kind of your typical director for this kind of fare, um, but it's good stuff. Uh, if you haven't seen it, check it out. I really enjoy Rango. That is nice. my number five. Andrew, what is your number five? Logan. Mm. Uh, hit it, Aaron. Trump. All right. We'll wait on that one. Uh, your number four, Alice. Right. My number four is Juno. Another good choice. Nice. Yeah. So I, I, when I was doing this, I realized not to to spoil anything coming up. All my honorable mentions, but there's a lot of um, Disney and and you know those sort of like superhero mm-hmm. type movies. So mm-hmm. I wanted something not of that ilk. And then Juno popped up, and I was like, oh, that's such a good movie. Um, so oh, I just love it. You know, Elliot Page is so fantastic in the role, and it's such a great little story. Michael Sarah is also really good, and it's you know what it is. It's also a movie that really changes as you age. So when I first watched this, when it came out, I was, you know, like 12, 13. And I remember interpreting it, especially the, you know, the bits with Jason Bateman very differently because now I, you know, when I first watched it, I was more around Juno's mindset. And now I'm more around like an adult mindset and it is very different, but Mm -hmm. it's still very good. Still very good. Yeah. Good call. Juno. Uh, all right, I'll go on to my number four. Uh, this is where I have Trumbo uh, at number four. Oh, I forgot um, about that movie. Uh, very, very good. Brian Cranston in uh, one of his best performances uh, about this very real character and how they dealt with McCarthyism and being blacklisted uh, and still trying to get scripts done uh, while in the bathtub. Uh, lots and lots of interesting <laughs> stuff in this movie. So uh, you're going to want to check it out. Trumbo is my number four. Andrew, what is your number four? Yeah, Brian Cranston got an Oscar nom for that one, didn't he? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think so. Pretty sure, yeah. Mm-hmm. It's a good, good new movie. My number four is also probably going to get trumped, so get ready. Aladdin. <laughs> nope. No. Oh, no mentions for me. Interesting. Okay. I didn't consider Aladdin in this category. It's is that you, fake first. It, is, yeah, is it's it his first, first name? name? I thought it was. I thought he was like Steve Aladdin. I thought that his last name was. <laughs> oh. <laughs> oh no! I think it's. I think it's like a share. 
sort of thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. No, it's yeah. Aladdin. Okay. Yeah, it's his first name. Cool. Definitely yeah. his first name. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's not like he's not like. Oh, uh, maybe you got confused because in the movie he, um, the prince version is called Alia Babwa. Yeah, but yeah. that's yeah. not his actual name. His actual name is Aladdin. That's the fake name. Yeah. Okay. Continue on. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Um, yeah. Uh, for the genie alone, you know, you have to put this on the list. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's one of the, if not the most amazing characters ever created for the screen. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. Robin Williams, mm-hmm. he made it his, it's his movie. Yeah. Much. Mm-hmm. Good stuff. Good stuff. Too good. Uh, Alice, what is your number three? Th- this is where I have Logan. So, nice. Oh, it's just... Look, I really hope Deadpool 3 is good because if Hugh Jackman ended his run on this crazy amazing movie, you know, with also like Daphne Keane, who if you haven't seen the Golden Compass TV show um, or his Dark Materials TV show, she's very, very good in it. Um, but it is just a great, sad exploration into what it means to be a superhero but in this really depressing realistic gritty way with uh, you know an aging Patrick Stewart and uh, you know just a very depressed Logan and and it's so good I need to watch it again I haven't seen it in such a long time but it's so good very good let's hope it continue it's not marred by the next one (laughs) (laughs) let's hope let's hope uh, all right. So I think that means my number three is where mm-hmm. we are yep. at. Uh, uh, Amelie uh, is what I have here mm. at number three. Ooh, good. Or Amelie. Uh, it is a great movie. Shame. Full of fascination, full of imagination. Um, Alice. And gnomes. Alice, it really surprises me you haven't seen this movie. I think I you would know. love this movie. I know I um, would. It's exactly up my wheelhouse. I mm-hmm. just, it just, you know, it yeah. missed me because sure. I was a stupid sure. kid that was like, it's French. And now I have to go back. And <laughs> I watch don't want to read. <laughs> yeah, uh, exactly. Check it out. It is fabulous. And it <laughs> is my number three. Andrew, what is your number three? This is not going to get trumped by anybody. I'll tell you that right now. <laughs> Going all the way back to 1954. Mm. Mm. Godzilla. Ah. (laughs) (laughs) It's in my top 100 movies of all time. Mm -hmm. Sure. It's. And if you want to talk about my favorite. About that character, Godzilla Jones. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) I feel Uh, like that's a creature name, not like like a first name. I could be wrong. You didn't it's say Mr. human Godzilla in- to you. <laughs> yeah, you didn't say anywhere in the uh, in the email that they had to be human. Okay, yeah. fair enough. And I certainly hope that holds for my next one too. <laughs> oh yeah, because I have Jaws. several on. <laughs> no, <laughs> to be fair, his name's Bruce. That's true. So he that has his name wrong. is Bruce. Is yeah, yeah, yeah. But no, uh, Godzilla is my favorite movie about the atomic age mm-hmm. and like. Mm-hmm. Uh, how uh for a lot of people who don't know this uh japan japan's culture was very very stringent after the war like america's mm-hmm. hold on uh japan their especially their uh <clears throat> their cinema they weren't allowed to make movies about nuclear uh mm-hmm. catastrophes or anything like that their workaround was to make a giant monster movie mm-hmm. and have him be the <clears throat> sorry him have him be the metaphor for nuclear devastation mm-hmm. 
And mm-hmm. here we are, almost a hundred years. We're getting we're getting up there. Yeah, know, 70, 80 <laughs> well, years later. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Yep. And it's still relevant. still talking about it. Yeah. Uh, yes, I should make a movie about it. <laughs> uh, Alice, what All is right. your number two? My number two is Paddington. Hmm. It's my first honorable mention. Yeah. Because it is his first name, because his name is Paddington Bear. So okay, fair it's, enough. It's fu- and then he also takes the last name of the family whose name I can't remember fully. But yes, Paddington mm. is wholesome. I would have done Paddington too, but that wasn't, that didn't no, count. That but count. the Paddington yeah. series, it's, the first one's still very good. It, it is it good. Open the world to it. It's so just pretty and heartwarming and everything you need to be a palate cleanser to the two movies we see we saw this week um just to make you be like oh just enjoy some niceness that's it's just nice nice good you should watch it uh all right my number two is lincoln uh, comes in honorable mention for me. Number two, I love this movie. I think Spielberg's amazing, and I think he directs this really well. Um, and again, we've said it many, many times, but his most impressive feat in this movie was the you know inventing an actual time machine to go get Lincoln and bring him back to star in the movie. Yeah. That's really <laughs> yeah. impressive stuff. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, and he's been so you know with that technology he's taking care of it you know he hasn't let mm-hmm. it fall, in, fall yeah the nobody else really mm-hmm. mm-hmm. yeah. it's been yeah. great yeah good for him yeah uh all right andrew what is your number two? Oh, wally. <laughs> mm-hmm. honorable mention love wally i think that's first wally. and last name i think wall is the first name wall is his first name <laughs> is mr wall i don't know how i don't know how robot names work you know there's a hyphen I think it's, I feel yeah, like the it's, hyphen it's, means I think it's, it's all Wall one. Esquire is what it stands <laughs> yes, for. He's yes. a lawyer. Yeah. Yes. Junior. Yeah. 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 But uh, no, I love Wally to death. It's, it's this, I want to see what the script for this movie looks like. It's just mm-hmm. got to be fascinating and short yeah. and small. Mm. Um, it's, it's, it's every single time I, I, I drive, there's a, uh, uh, what's what's the name of that that uh, that sofa company that makes like recliners and stuff? Lazy Boy. Uh, Lazy Boy. There's a Lazy Boy store right next to where I live, and every single time I drive by, I I just look in and I was like, one of these days I'm going to see one of those hover Lazy Boys from Wally. <laughs> You'll be and like, it's going to be beginning. in the showroom. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. And it's like it's, it it's happening. It's going to happen. Yep. <laughs> oh, All right, let's goodness. move on to our number ones. Alice, what do you got? My number one is Mulan, the nice. uh, original, not not the atrocity that came out in 2020. Oh, it's not that bad. I didn't like it at all it's because this great. is perfect. <laughs> no, it's not. It's not that great either. <laughs> because the animation is perfection. I think it has some of the best music. It, it um, honestly, and uh, it was but, oh, I just thought of another one. Okay, I'm going to write down my honorable mentions. But yes, no, it it, um, it has the best music. Mul- this Mulan story is amazing because it is just about someone who has the will and, and builds herself up to this legendary status. And Mushu is fantastic. And the cricket is fantastic. And the Huns are terrifying. They're such scary villains. Mm-hmm. Like... Such good character building for any child watching it. It's good. Very good. Yep. Uh, Let's get down to business. Yeah, my number- some Donny Osmond. 
<laughs> my number one is my choice from the Pixar universe uh, for this list, and that is Ratatouille. Uh, is my number okay, one. Okay, that's I. Ha- is that does that count? That's not his name. <laughs> sure, it is. No, it's not. It's it's Remy. A, it's Remy. <laughs> I hate that movie, and I even know it's Remy. I mean, Andrew, you're so wrong, because if if I was like, I wanted that to be my number one, but I was like, is Ratatouille it? isn't his name. Oh, okay. No, his name's All Remy. Right. I just, I guess nicknames don't count then. But is it his nickname? Well, is yeah, it, you said not? fake first, fake first, real last. Where's the, where's the fake fake? <laughs> 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 All right. Well, then I'll go with Wally as well. Uh, will be my number one. Uh, right. Yeah, I really enjoy that movie too. Andrew, what's your number one? <laughs> Rocky. Uh, Rocky is my number one. Yeah. 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 I, I, I've talked about this movie so many times because I always find a way to put it on my list. Uh, yeah. It's if also, you haven't seen Rocky, shame. <laughs> mm, uh, I think that you would really like it because I think that the huge, the biggest misconception mm. with the Rocky movies is people think they're boxing movies mm. and they're not boxing movies. Like, I think there's a grand total of seven minutes worth of boxing in the entire movie. It's all about, it's a love story. It's all about the love that blossoms between Rocky and Adrian. I'll let you count Rocky if you'll let me count Ratatouille. Why? His name is Rocky. His name's Robert. Where? (laughs) His name is Robert Balboa. (laughs) Yeah, that's true. That is true. Isn't that his son's name is is that what you're looking up aaron no (laughs) no i'm not that petty all right strauss okay well fine wally is now my number one and i'll just Uh, move up Uh, looks like i'm the only one that followed the rules that's right alice wins today i legit thought thought his first name was rocky so yeah it's a nickname okay well yeah well then fair play uh move coco up to mm, my number five and then just choice. everything so many good pixar ones mm. good choice good mm-hmm. choice uh, other honorable mentions. mentions alice why don't you list some for us are you sure because i've got like 18 okay do you well, want to go first i have less than that i think andrew yeah. how many do you have that you want to throw out well i don't have any uh honorable mentions but i do have what the gurus chose oh yeah what did the gurus choose believe it or not there was a three-way tie for first place this mm. week mm-hmm. okay yeah okay and uh, they counted Rocky. So I'll <laughs> well, just throw that out there. Well, good for them. So, <laughs> they are Coco. Also wrong. Uh-huh. Yep. Coco and Aladdin. Nice. Mm. Nice. Mm. Nice. Uh, I'll throw and out Mulan, some. Mulan was the runner-up. And since we're mm. not counting Rocky, then Mulan gets third place. Okay. Very good. nice. Very good. Um, Patton, I think, is probably worth mentioning. Mm. Uh, Milk. Oh, man. Is a good movie. Mm. Capote. That was on my list. Also a good movie. Chaplin, also a good movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, Tesla, the new Tesla movie um, is good. I haven't Hitch- seen the new Tesla There's movie. There's a Tesla movie? Mm-hmm. It's just called Tesla. It came out a couple years this- or last year or two years ago. <gasps> yeah. I don't know. Tom Hiddleston. Hiddlest- no, mm-hmm. not Tom Hiddleston. What's his name? Ethan uh, Hawke? Hitchcock. Uh, about the life of Yeah, Alfred Ethan Hawke. Yeah, Ethan Hawke. That's the one. good. Mm-hmm. Oh, Hitchcock. That is a good movie. Hannibal. Uh, is worth mm-hmm. mentioning, I think, as well. Hannah, um, mm-hmm. that was is, on my list, is a good one. Uh, Ali, a Will Smith's Ali, I think, is worth mentioning. Uh, Frankenweenie, uh, I think, is a really fun movie. Oh, yeah. 
<laughs> uh, Carrie. I think you have to mention Carrie. Yep. Um, I watched that for the first time last week and oh. I had a heart attack Ooh. that I'm still not fully over due to the, the ending. Uh-huh. So. Uh-huh. <laughs> yes. Which version did you watch? Yeah. The new one or the original one? Why would I watch the new one? <laughs> How dare you, Andrew? How dare you insinuate? I watched the original Sissy Spacek. Thank you very much. (laughs) Uh, Annabelle, probably worth mentioning. Mm. Uh, Lucy, the Scarlett Johansson is a computer movie. Is it worth mentioning? I liked it. Um, I know I'm in the minority (laughs) on that, but I liked Mm it. Uh, Alfred Hitchcock, speaking of Hitchcock, he had a a movie called Marnie. um, That's pretty Mm. good and worth watching. Mm -hmm. And then uh, Carol is another recent one that yep. uh, is worth watching as well. Did I did I knock some of yours out? Do you have a few you more? Did, you did knock, but I've still got like 15. All right. <clears throat> There's one wow. also which is definitely my version of your Rocky and Ratatouille, so okay. I'm going to leave that to last. But I've got like Moana, Bambi, Cruella, all excellent. Male- mm-hmm. A lot of Disney. Maleficent also is a really great movie. I've got Tully. That was I. I remember being really affected by that film. I remember mm-hmm. walking away mm-hmm. being like, oh. yeah. "This one, I didn't know if it would count." Hamilton because it's like mm. it's on Disney Plus, but I didn't know if it would count oh, as a movie. I, absolutely, I would count that as a movie. Okay. Yeah. Well, any any chance you get to say Hamilton will count it. Yes. Okay. Right. Good. Well, now, um, the other one is is uh, Klaus, the Netflix film, very good as well. Shrek can't not mention Shrek. Cinderella, mm. both of them, honestly. Uh, Kimi, the the movie, the Steven mm, Soderbergh, Soderbergh film. movie. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's a good one. Very excellent. I watched that on the plane and I it was uh I actually think that was a good way to watch it to be perfectly honest, given nice. the claustrophobia of it all. Both Emmas, both the nineteen ninety six one with Gwyneth Paltrow and the more recent one with Anya Taylor Joy, both are very good. And then the one I thought about before when I was saying Mulan is Hercules because I love that movie. The mm. music is so mm. good. Nice. Then the one that I thought would definitely potentially get vetoed was Deadpool because because it's like technically it's Wade Wilson but also when he's Deadpool he's Deadpool he's not Wade Wilson Mm -hmm. you know what I mean it's one of those like weird meta things but Mm -hmm. I just wanted to put it out there but those are mine Uh, I do want to make it uh, clear it is the official stance of this podcast that you can indeed not mention Shrek. That is allowed uh, on this podcast. Uh, Yeah, Aaron's alone on that one. Shrek is great. It Uh it defined Uh my generation, okay? One of the most successful animated franchises of all time. Hey, it won the Oscar for Best Animation Feature. Uh, And now you understand. Now you understand where all the animosity comes from. Uh, All right, let's move on to the buried treasures for this week. Uh, Andrew, kick us off. What's that one thing in any area of pop culture that you want to make sure people know about? Uh, In honor of Oppenheimer and all the atomic stuff that we have been talking about, I have a documentary for everybody called Mm. Atomic Soldiers. It's uh, by The Atlantic. You can watch it on YouTube. There's several documentaries in this documentary. uh, series about this subject matter. So a lot of people don't know this. Uh, in the 1950s and 60s, uh, three governments of countries, United States, Great Britain, and Russia, all started doing testings on hydrogen bombs, uh, which is something that they talk about here in this film, Oppenheimer. Um, but what they 
what was just declassified within the past 20 years from the U.S. and from Great Britain was that during these testings, they actually had soldiers on site who were exposed to the radiation and who actually got to see like what hydrogen bombs look like. So you have these documentaries. The one that is getting the most views is from The Atlantic on YouTube, and it's all uh, the soldiers who were on site and how seeing the bomb like affected them, how they all had PTSD just because it's something so massive and mm-hmm. huge. Like it's a, a awe, it all encompassing. So um, it's actually uh, these series of documentaries are actually what got me interested in Oppenheimer in the first place. So mm-hmm. uh, I figured it'd be a nice little tie in. It is very depressing. Obviously it's about uh, veterans and, uh, all the health uh, troubles that they have right now. The only country of the three that hasn't declassified anything is Russia. They won't talk about how many people have died, but they're they're estimating now that more people have died from the exposure to these H bomb testings than people who died in Hiroshima and Nagasaki. Not in Nagasaki now. Mm. So it's it's wild that uh that people had to go through that yeah 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 um all right so that's atomic soldiers on youtube i'll go next uh my buried treasure for most people it was barbenheimer weekend for my family it was barb pickheimer weekend uh that is because this weekend pikmin 4 came out on the nintendo switch and we are a pikmin mm-hmm. family um mm-hmm. i loved 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 the first three pikmin games uh and my wife uh if it's possible loved them even more than i did uh she is a pikmin addict and we are seeking help uh but uh but the new the new game came out this weekend and i've played a little bit of it enough to recommend it um it's not my favorite pikmin game so far and it takes a little bit to get to the pikmining which is the one thing if i could tell nintendo is like you know why does it take so long in this game to actually play pikmin (laughs) like because they're trying to set up some new stuff and some new mechanics that are fun and interesting and work just fine um but it does take a while to get to the actual Pikmin of it all. Um, so yeah, Pikmin Four. It also it also does an interesting thing. It retcons the first video game, which I I don't know if I've ever seen this in this way specifically before. But um, it does a very interesting retcon of uh, Pikmin One. Uh, if you're a true Pikmin fan, uh, you'll you will notice it for sure. Um, I've never even heard of the game before, so you've never heard of Pikmin. I, I don't have a Nintendo, so... Oh, that's right. Oh. That's right. Yep. It's like one of the main flagship games of Nintendo. Well, it's interesting you really? say that because it. Is, I think it should be, but Nintendo has always kind of treated it as a secondary kind of world. Um, hmm. Even just the fact that it wasn't until Pikmin 4 was coming out that they even released Pikmin 1 and 2 on the Switch. Like, that just happened within the last couple of months. Um, oh. so yeah, Pikmin three was available, um, on the yeah. switch from the beginning, but one and two haven't been available until very recently. I would highly, high, those games hold up really, really well. Pikmin one is a ton of fun and it's a nice, simple play. So, um, yeah, I definitely, uh, will throw those on as multiple recommends just for all the Pikmin games, but yeah, Pikmin four is out on the switch. 
Uh, yes. Alice, what is your buried treasure? So, my buried treasure is something that I think has been grossly misunderstood by uh, critics, no offense uh, to those in the room. <laughs> hey, you're but, one too. But I also think it's because, well, yes, no offense to myself as well. <laughs> but I also think it's because I think the people that made the, sh- the show, because I'm about to recommend a show, did made a choice that I think was incorrect. And because of my prior knowledge, it didn't affect my enjoyment of it. And it made it better, which means I am going to be spoiling a little element of it, but it's only because I genuinely think knowing this element makes it better. If you don't know it, you will feel ripped off. So, my sh- the show I'm recommending is The Crowded Room on Apple TV+. Plus. Um, those who know me and have known me for a while know that, especially during university, I fell into a, a DID, Dissociative Identity Disorder, hole and became obsessed just learning all about it because it was just something it fascinated me. And one of the most famous cases is Billy Milligan, who was the first person to use it um, as a defense in court in the 70s. And when I found out that they were making a show about based on Billy Milligan, but obviously loosely based in its own story, I was very excited. And this show is The Crowded Room. So it's, you know, it's not an exact uh, telling of Billy Milligan. It's a different character called Danny Sullivan, but it is it is exactly the same. Oh, inspired um, by sort of thing. Yeah, inspired by sort of thing. But it is literally like, ever, if you know the story, it's, it's very strongly pulled. But what they've okay. done is they've done the like... Uh, I was about to, I mean, the movie's like 30 years old, but it, it's done the thing where it doesn't reveal the dissociative identity disorder thing until episode like five. Um, and I think that was the wrong choice because I knew from the moment it started that it was a story about dissociative identity disorder. So you're knowing that you're able to pick things up immediately and see, okay, this is what this means. This is what this means. And it makes it more interesting and it allows you to focus in on the story more. Um, I think it was the, I do think. And so I think because of that, it has been relatively panned critically because especially critics, they only watch the first few episodes and it takes a bit. I also think this is a show that maybe you should binge. Like, I don't know if this is a week by week sort of show. Having said all of that, now, especially as we're in the last couple of weeks of it, I think Tom Holland is giving an extraordinary performance. It is absolutely amazing the way he's been able to stretch completely away from the Spider-Man aesthetic we've seen him in, but not in like the bad cherry way, like in a really interesting way. I think Amanda Seyfried is also in it and she is absolutely amazing. Um, she plays a psychologist who develops a relation, uh, like a psychologist and patient relationship and kind of develops the theory behind uh, the character Danny Sullivan. And it, I mean, the, the 70s aesthetic is also really great. And I just think I really am enjoying it. I'm enjoying the, the way in which it's also framing all of the, um, just the stigma behind this mental illness, because during this time it didn't exist in the um, the DID, the, the way that they would diagnose mental uh, illness. And that is to say, I think part of the reason some people have also been a little bit hesitant is because people often, it's very easy. Um, and in Hollywood, they've done it before where it's like, oh, the bad guy has multiple personality disorder, uh, which is what it was called before DID. And people that have DID can feel like, oh, you know, just because we have it doesn't mean we're violent. But because this mm-hmm. is based on a very real case where this this is what happened, 
it is just kind of showing that particular instance. Um, and I think it's a very individual story, but it was happening at a time where this, this mental illness wasn't even believed. And so it was also showing how the world or like it's kind of showing how the world got to know it and how it all kind of emerged in psychology, but also dealing with this very personal story of this, this boy whose life has been completely destroyed his entire life. And he hasn't even known it until very recently. And so Mm. I think it's a really great show. I think it's a fascinating exploration into mental illness. And I really genuinely think Tom Holland is doing amazing work. So I, I think people should give it a chance. There you go. That is The Crowded Room on Apple TV+. Plus. Uh, mm-hmm. Pikmin 4 is available on the Nintendo Switch, and Atomic Soldiers is on YouTube. Well, we did it, guys. We managed to do a podcast. Ooh. Congratulations Ooh, yeah, to everybody. Uh, we accomplished a goal and didn't put millions of lives at risk. So congratulations to well, us. Well, that we know. We don't know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Thank you so much Alice for joining. Alice and I are glass half empty people. Yes, yes, I can, <laughs> I can see that. Uh, thank you so much for joining us today. For Sif Pop, it is part of the Studio DNA Podcast Network. You can find out more about other shows on the network at studiodna.media or by searching Studio DNA in your podcast player. Huge thanks to Andrew for hanging out again today. Thanks, buddy. Uh, big thanks to producer Phil for producing the audio and video show. Thanks, Phil. Big thanks to Alice for hanging out with us today. Alice, where do you want to send people? Uh, well, like always, I am a sifpop.com writer. So actually, my next review is going to be for The Crowded Room. So I don't know. We've still got two episodes. It could all just go awful. So <laughs> we'll see. Know. You never know. Um, but I will be writing that up soon as well as my next one-stop pop in the next couple of weeks. And then otherwise, uh, you can also find me on Instagram and letterboxed at L-E-G-M-I-C-H. So I'll Very see nice. you there. Uh, well, we always appreciate you being here. So thank you for coming by. Much oh, love and gratitude to our Sif Pop members as well for giving to make Sif Pop a real thing. Support starts at three bucks a month and you get access to bonus episodes at some level, some other fun perks. So you can check all that out there. That's patreon.com slash Sif Pop. Lots of ways you can connect with us. You can leave a comment, a rating or a review at Apple Podcasts or Spotify or wherever you listen. Uh, you can also email us feedback at siftpop.com. And finally, if you're having a good time, your movie-loving friends will probably like this show too, so make sure you let them know about it and that listening is much easier than balancing the techno-ethical ramifications of pushing forward science at the cost of humanity. Or just being a woman. We'll be back next week with Haunted Mansion and uh, possibly they cloned Tyrone. Uh, So those will probably be the reviews next week, and we will see you then. Bye. Bye. Bye.